Hey to all my Peach Reading with Ass fans. So Delaney Diamond actually is having a special on her re-release of Unforgettable. So if you go to her website, DelaneyDiamond.com, type in the code PEACH9, that's capital P, capital E, capital A, capital C, capital H, and the number nine, you will get a 51% discount off the Unforgettable ebook and 18% off the Unforgettable paperback. So please visit her website, put in that code and get that, take advantage of that discount. Have a great day. Welcome to Peach Reading. I am your host, Az Williams, coming to you live from Atlanta, GA. This podcast is dedicated to authors of all types of genres. We will explore their masterpieces, thought processes, and their overall dedication to the literary field. So without further ado, grab your wine, sit back, and get ready to read with Az. Hey everyone, this is As. I am back with another great episode of Peach Reading. I am here today with Miss Delaney Diamond, and I am really excited. I've read several of her books, and so I'm really, and I know I say that about all the authors that get on, I really do, <laughs> but at the end of the day, she has written some great books, and we're going to get into it. Ms. Delaney Diamond is the USA Today bestselling author of over 40 contemporary and romantic suspense novels and has been writing full-time since 2010. She has won a number of writing awards and was the recipient of the AMB Ovation Visionary Award which recognizes a romance author who through foresight and unlimited effort has helped add value to the profession by encouraging development, promotion, and networking of authors in their genre. In her spare time, Delaney reads romance novels, mysteries, thrillers, and a fair amount of nonfiction and is addicted to Oreo cookies and watching action flicks on Amazon Prime and Netflix. When she's not doing any of those things, she's in the kitchen trying out new recipes, dining at one of her favorite restaurants, or traveling to an interesting locale. You can find a full list of her books and free short stories at DelaneyDiamond.com. And later on in the interview, we're going to let her give her handles again, but I just, you know, we got to put it out there because she, her, her website looks phenomenal, people. Hey, Miss Delaney, how are you? Hi, I am great. Thank you so much for having me, Az. I'm excited. I am too. So I, I've read, so I got, I became a Delaney Diamond fan when I actually did the series. Um, it was the, um, the Cordoba Agency series. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what? And, and one of the biggest things I think a lot of people like me that read all the time, um, you know, we just reading or listening to whatever pops up. So then I had to go back and like, you've written a lot of books. So what got you? I was like, how did I sleep on her? So what got you into this, into being a writer, an author? Oh, all right. Let me see. Um, well, it started because I wasn't happy with my job. I had a oh. job. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I had this job that I kind of started hating for various reasons. And I decided that I was just going to quit. I had a little money saved up. And I also just thought, you know, this will give me a chance to maybe look into doing something else. So I ended up leaving my job. And 
I decided that I wanted to start writing and I had, keep in mind, I hadn't written anything probably since I was in high school. Um, but I used to like to write and I still loved to read. So I thought, you know, I'll try my hand at writing. I love reading romance. I'll, I'll start with romance. And um, I ended up, let's see, I ended up joining the Romance Writers of America. And from there, it just kind of took off. Like I um, wrote a I wrote the first book, which was The Arrangement. It was an interracial, and I sent it off to a small press, and they accepted it, surprisingly. <laughs> and um, things just kind of took off from there. But it basically started because I was unhappy with my job. Wow. And so now, is it safe to say that you're only writing or you're you have another job? And then you write part time or how, what is it? What are we safe to say? <laughs> it's safe to say that I am only writing, which is amazing because initially I kind of just thought, well, maybe it would just be a part time gig while I looked for something else. But uh-huh. things really took off. And I found not only that I could support myself through writing, but that I had so many stories. It, it kind of showed me um, that I had a creative part of myself that I didn't even know needed to be expressed. And so I ended up just having all these stories and any author will tell you, the more you write, the more ideas you have. So I don't anticipate running out of any ideas anytime soon. And, and that's what I was, because I always wonder that when I have, when I speak to authors that have 60 and 70 books and they, none of them really read the same and then when you're looking or reading other authors, it's like you all are, are very talented and not. Yeah, there may be some storylines that might be the same, but for the most part, you're getting a brand new story every time. So I like that you said that. So anybody that's listening that wants to be an author, don't feel like, oh, well, somebody's already written about that. You never know what your spin on it could be and how you could change the narrative, I guess you should, you could say. Exactly. I mean, everyone has their own spin. And just to give you, just to kind of piggyback on what you said, um, a few years ago, I was doing writing prompts on my blog with some other authors. So we, we picked the prompts and then we would write a story based on the prompt and have readers, you know, hop from blog to blog uh, reading the stories. And Every single one, of course, was completely different just based off of, you know, a a short paragraph or a couple sentences idea. But we all came up with wildly different um, stories, short stories. And so, yeah, I mean, anyone who's listening, if they want to get into writing, don't be afraid. Put your own spin on it, like you said, as because there's always another way that the story can be told. And I hear an accent. I hear an accent. Yes. I'm from the Virgin, <laughs> <laughs> I'm from the Virgin Islands, St. Thomas, specifically. Oh, that is, oh, <laughs> that is beautiful. Okay. My daughter, her father, my daughter's father is Bayesian. And it's funny, I want my little one to just really hone in on her Bayesian roots, but she just is not catching her. I said, I guess <laughs> you're from Georgia, honey. She I'm like, wow. <laughs> Barbasians and you know I get I get excited like I'm from there and I'm like you know hone in on your West Indian heritage and she was mm-hmm. she at 14 that's just not her thing and so that's I mean mommy it's only probably like maybe 20 percent I'm probably I'm just like oh my goodness Allegra, it's not 
you could be you know just hone in on it but that's that's not her thing at all so with the series because you have a lot of series and it's so funny i was speaking to an author and when she went to write just a book by itself her fans were upset they were like no no no, where the series at and she's like i just really felt like doing a standalone book this time so have you Mm -hmm. had that happen because she was they she was floored like no as they really got mad (laughs) Uh, that has not happened, luckily. <laughs> luckily, um, no, because I, I pretty much, I do pretty much typically write in series. I have a couple of books that are standalone that you could kind of say, you know, I call them one shots, and I do have some of those. And yes, they have. There's always going to be readers who are interested in secondary characters because you know they kind of become invested in the story. They want to know more about these characters, but um, I haven't had anyone, I haven't had people get upset with me or anything like that, fortunately. So no, that hasn't happened. Now, what is your favorite, if you can say, because I've done the Johnson series, like you have some great series. And then the the Royal Brides, I was like, it was phenomenal. So what um, can you say if you have a favorite series or what was your favorite one to write? Well, first of all, thank you so much for the compliments. <laughs> I'm glad that you enjoyed the stories. As for a favorite, I have, I don't know that I have a favorite series, but I have um, I have favorite things that I like about the series. Like for instance, I, my favorite series in terms of, um, I guess the family and the characters will definitely be the Johnson family. I think I just fell in mm-hmm. love with that series and the characters. And when I ended the series, I was a little, I was a little sad. It was like letting go of a real family that I knew. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but then I like, for example, the Royal Brides, because it's just so, I guess, opulent and the Mm -hmm. world building, you know, making up these entirely new countries and cultures and customs, and then writing about it from, you know, just from the beginning, like having to make up everything, which I built on the stories um, and the cultures and the, and the countries, I built on them from real countries, you know, like for instance, with the West African mm-hmm. on Zambia, um, that was based, you know, I, I looked up um, West African countries and pulled a little bit from them or if you read it, you'll know that I mentioned things like South Africa and their, um, yes. you know, their, they have like this beef jerky. I forget the name of it now, but just little things like that, that I pulled in. So the world building for me was um, a lot of fun <laughs> and writing such a decadent, extravagant story about royalty was, was really great. Um yeah, but I think uh, those those two probably are amongst my favorite series. And then a close second will probably be the Brooks family, which they're the cousins to the Johnsons. And it's the same kind of thing where it's siblings, but once again, they're very rich. and But you get to know them, you get to know their personalities. Like just because they're rich, they're not unrelatable, you know? So you still get that emotion, you get the swept away feeling from the romance, all of that is included. Now tell us a little bit about 
the Latin Men series. And I was I was like, hold on. Because I've never really, I've had, I've not read a lot of books on with Hispanic characters. So what prompted you to write a series about Latin men? I'm gonna get to it. I promise. <laughs> I said Latin men. Okay, hold on. Yes. <laughs> well, you know how you mentioned earlier about putting your own spin on ideas and, you know, just stories. And when I started writing, I wanted to, I wanted to write interracial. So there are a couple of things that influenced my decision. One, I had been reading Harlequin romance and the Harlequin presents stories all had these really over the top storylines with um, these men who were all, a lot of them were Latin men, but they were, of course, they were always paired with English women, white women, you know, that kind of thing. And I just decided that I wanted to write a story with these Latin men, same kind of over-the-top storyline, but with Black women. So that was the <laughs> that was the first thing. Um, and then the second thing, too, was I... I had dated this guy who was from Mexico. We were together for a few years. So that kind of influenced my decision to go that route too when I decided that I wanted to write an interracial. Because back then when I started, I would say the majority of the interracial was white men, black women. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted something where it wasn't just, you know, your typical white male it might be someone who's Hispanic. He could be white, but he could be mixed race or something like that. And so that's why I decided to go with the Latin men. I think back then, honestly, I only remember there being one other, it was a, it was a two authors and they were writing Hispanic men and black women. And they were the only ones that I really remember seeing doing it because everyone else was just doing, you know, white men. And like I said, I just, I wanted to do something a little bit different, put my own spin on it. But okay. also I was very much influenced by the books that I had read from Harlequin. And then of course my own personal relationship with my Mexican boyfriend. I like that. Oh my goodness. So I see, yeah, cause I, I'm, I'm going to get into that one. I have to get into that series because you're correct. And like, I think one of the last interviews I did, I read an author, um, Tracy Livesay, and mm -hmm. all of her books are going to be white men, prominent billionaires, and then somehow they end up with a black woman. Mm -hmm. And so I do like those interracial or just something different. Everything doesn't have to be... Um, the same all the time. I think that's what's really what I love about your writing is we're going to get it from and like with the the African brides. You're, I mean the royal brides. I'm sorry, you know you have your little mystery, little thriller in there. So I'm like she's just doing thrillers. And so is that a genre that you really want to dive into? Oh wow, yeah, you've seen right through me, I guess, because <laughs> <laughs> eventually I think I would like to write thrillers, not exclusively because I always want to write romance. I'm uh -huh. a romantic at heart okay. and I love writing about love. I love reading about love. So that will always be part of my catalog. But okay. I would eventually, I think, like to write, um, you know, like just a straight thriller or mystery thriller or something along those lines and um, adding those elements 
<clears throat> excuse me, adding those elements were a way for me to dabble a little bit in that genre. And then I, you know, I took another step into that genre with the Cordoba Agency series mm-hmm. that you've read. And that was just, I mean, fun because as you mentioned, as you read in my bio, I like to read action flicks. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, watch action flicks. And so putting something like that on paper has been, gosh, it's just been an adrenaline rush, just blowing things up and killing people and races and car chases and all that. So being able to put something like that on paper has been great for, you know, um, helping my creative juices. But then at the same time, it would be interesting to just write something that was strictly a thriller. Uh, I read those a lot, too. I read those probably as much as I read romance. Mm, Because the way you write it, um, I found myself, especially with the the first book of the African, I just keep saying that, I'm sorry, Royal Brides. And I'm literally in the car and... And I'm trying not to give too much of the story away, but you know, with with her son, mm-hmm. and I'm like at a light to my uh uh-uh, who did it? What? Oh no, what happened? And I was like, she just got the little thriller, and then you have the little ones in each of those each of those books, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, because I was like, who did it? Where they back? You know, I'm trying not to give too much, y'all, but the book just—I was at a light fussing, and so that's exactly um, <laughs> the the reaction I want. So that's good. <laughs> Yes, I was. I mean, the, and even in the Cordova agency, like everything you write as if you're right, right there. And, and I really, I mean, I love the Johnson family. I don't, I felt like with the Royal Brides, I'm sorry, y'all, I felt like I was actually in Africa. So your writing was so on point. And even with the Cordova agency, you feel like you're, you're the detective. You feel like you're in there, even though they have the love story. And I like books like that. I really, really do. Cause I want to feel like I'm there. I know, um, I know originally when the Johnson series came out, um, before I had read it, that like some of the reviews were like, no, the the narrator and and you know sometimes you try not to look at the listen to the reviews or read mm-hmm. you know I read them here and there, but for the most part I make my own decisions. Mm-hmm. And I mean he was fine, and mm-hmm. because I'm a, I'm a serious audiobook person, I was like okay, but then you know you got your some people like no, some people like yeah, but did you? And I guess, do you get to at this point in your career? Because I know I've spoken to a lot of authors that do the audiobooks, and sometimes the more popular narrators are going to be more expensive, you know, just to, and then you have some that are not. So were you able to choose your narrators or you kind of just, because the narrators for um, the Royal Brides was, was phenomenal. And the same thing with um, the Cordoba Agency. So how do you, how does that work for you with the narrators for your books? Yeah, so I choose my own narrators, and with the Johnsons, back then, keep in mind, this was before audiobooks were, I mean, audiobooks were around, obviously, but um, there weren't that many people available (laughs) to do them. It was basically ACX, which was Amazon. And so you had to, you know, you went through their um, audition process. And so the the narrators would audition. You would put out what your sample excerpt was that you wanted them to read, and then you would get auditions. And so that's basically what it was. So they came to you, and then you had to decide of the people that auditioned which ones you wanted. 
right? So that's how it was, at least in my my case. That's you know how it was for me. Now, in more recent years, it's been a little bit different because there are more narrators available, and you're right. They've because there are more people doing um, doing audiobooks. They have gotten extremely expensive. I it, it has become way more expensive than it was when I originally started. The other thing is that it's hard to book the people that you want because so many people are doing audiobooks now. You have the additional expense, plus they are booked solid for months on end. Whereas back then I could be like, okay, I want to do an audiobook next month, <laughs> you know, and you could probably get it booked. So um, the landscape is a little bit different now. And what I did with the Cordoba agency was I actually went to a producer and they found the, um, they found the narrators or they had their, their cast of narrators and I was able to listen to them and then go, okay, I want this person cause they're really good at doing voices or whatever accents mm-hmm. and things like that. And then, um, and then I would give them the excerpt once I decided the person, give them the excerpt to make sure that they could deliver on my specific book. Because just because they sound good doesn't mean they could necessarily do my book. You know what I mean? That makes and sense. So, um, so then that was another um, part of it. But it's, it's, become, it's become very different because now you can get a producer who does a lot of the work for you. And that's, that's the way I've done it with the last few series where I contact the producer and work with them with their cast of narrators. And I've lucked out. I, I, I agree with you. I think that the narrators on the Cordoba agency series and the Royal Bride series have done a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And they're just good at doing accents. They're good at doing the emotion in the story. I I'm so impressed with their delivery. Um, and I, and I like the ones for the Johnsons too. I mean, I think that he did a, a good job, but I know that sometimes, um, you know, people want a black voice because it's uh-huh. black, you know, it's black um, uh, books. But at that time, there just weren't that many black narrators available. And I, despite that, I think he did a phenomenal job. He was really good at um, conveying the emotion uh-huh. in the stories and just doing the narration well. Um, but, you know, at to, uh, today, if I had to do it over, I would probably try to go with someone different only because we have more options now. But I'm not at all sorry with the person that did it for me. I think he did a great job. I agree. I, I listened and I just, I mean, at that time when the book first came out, at that when I first started getting onto audiobooks, I think it was might've been 2009 or 10, Mm-hmm. So to your point, you know, as, as listeners, we don't, you know, we, there have been times I have, have sent a book back based off how the person, but I've never really, there only been a few that I've, you know, you, you can tell like, but even with him, even though you can tell he's a white narrator, it wasn't like he was trying to be black, if that makes exactly. any sense. Exactly. Yeah. He, he and I trying. didn't want him to try to <laughs> to be black for sure. Yeah. I wanted him to just act out the story, you know? And um he 
you know, he's an actor by trade and I think he did okay. a really good job. And uh, that a lot of them are actors by trade, actually. They're in oh, theater, okay. that kind of thing. So w- those are the ones to me who do the really, really good job because oh. they know how to add the emotion. They interpret the story in such a way that I'm like, oh my God, this is my story. You know, like it just, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> those ones that do like four and five different voices. I, mm-hmm. I've always at those like them. I'm like, did they, they have, and I think I listen to, I've done, I like do uh, Janet Ivanovich's, um, uh, her series with Stephanie Plum. And when I say that narrator does so many different voices. And so to your, I'm glad you said that because it's like, they are talented, but I would have never known like the background part of it. Mm-hmm. And so for those of y'all that are listening, if y'all have, understand, you know, they go with, the authors go with who they can go with based off the time. So <laughs> right, <laughs> right, exactly. So who's to say what has gone on? And now in these, and now, coming up, you have way more people to choose from. That makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm glad, I'm glad you gave that backstory because I, I have, now I talk about audiobooks a lot, but I didn't know that piece. So I learned something new today. So uh, for your writing, how, like, because it's now is the only thing that you do, how often do you, would you say you write every day or do you write every day? I do not write every day, but I probably write, I would say, so let me tell you what I what my goals are, and then I'll tell you what actually happens because you know how that is. Okay. But but my my goal is to write five days a week. I try to treat it like a job, you know, because it's important. It is my job, but um, and it's important to get words on paper because if I don't get words on paper, then I don't have a book, right? Oh. So I try to write five days a week, Monday through Friday, and okay. I tend to work in the mornings well, right in the mornings rather. And so that will be probably an hour or two that I typically try to write. And that will, sometimes it stretches beyond that if the words aren't really coming. But I don't, I learned a long time ago not to just keep sitting there trying to get the words to come because I'm not, um, I'm not a plotter. I'm what they call a pantser. More recently, people call it a discovery writer, which basically means that I don't, have a plot before I write. I have ideas in my head, and then I sit down in the and I just start writing. Mm-hmm. And I found that after about a couple of hours, I tap out, and there's no there's not really any point for me to keep sitting sitting there because I need time to let the story marinate so that I'll have fresh ideas, and then the next morning I'll just sit down and, and start typing again. And so that's my goal. Five days a week in the morning. Typically what happens though is there's always something else going on. And so I would say it's probably more like three, four days a week, um, which is still pretty good. And then of course, as I get closer to my self-imposed deadline, I tend to write even more because for one now, I know the story better. I know the characters better. Things are coming faster. So whereas at the beginning, when I first start writing, I might only write, say, 1,000, 1,500 words a day. As I get closer to the deadline, I might be writing 3,000 or 4,000 words in a day Mm, or even 5,000. So it really, it's just a, it gradually builds, but that's what's 
that's what I found to be my process. I'm not um, good at sitting all day and typing all day. That just doesn't work for me. And so when I'm done in the morning with my writing, the next thing that I do might be research. Um, you know, obviously you have to interact with readers. So I'm on social media, chatting with people, posting, that kind of thing. I also, um, let's see, I, I mentioned research, um, administrative work. That's a lot of it. Marketing, just things like that. So there's always something to keep you busy. Updating your website. There's, <laughs> there's um, a lot of technical issues sometimes, which drive me nuts. So then I have to do, you know, fix that or get in touch with the person who did my website or something like that and get things resolved. But it fills my day. Every day my day is full of something. And I like that you said that because I've gone on some authors' websites and or when I come across authors that don't have a website, like I would like to see, I don't want to have to keep going to Amazon to, to look you up. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just one of those. That's just me. So I love the fact that you said keep your website updated or at least keep it going. There's an author I interviewed, uh, Nikki Grace, and she actually has a marketing background. So it's always fun and cute to go on hers because she always has like real theatrical stuff going on. And she's like, no, as I have fun. But I'm like, that's her background. But the fact that, you know, as an author, understanding that, yes, you need to keep your content updated. You know, if you're not changing your website out or we can only reach you through Amazon, for me, that's that's just too much. I want to be able to go on, look at stuff. If you have a blog, something like that, I'm just a nosy reader. And so um, I'm glad that you said that, that you actually spend time to, because it's important. And then, like you said, reach out to your reader. So do you do a lot of events or is everything? I mean, I get with COVID, but like now that, because COVID's not going anywhere, is it, are you doing like book signings or how does that work for you? So I do not do book signings. Um, I I don't do reader events either, which <laughs> when I first started writing and, you know, um, putting myself out there, I guess, people were shocked that there's like no photos of me anywhere. There's no, I don't do events. But, um, and I did a couple when I very first started, mm -hmm. um, but I haven't since then. And it's just mostly online, really. I, I do things online. I do audio interviews. I don't typically do video interviews. And that's pretty much it. As, now, if someone wants a signed book from me, what I've started doing is um, I've only really done it for my Family Ties book, okay. Family Ties series so far. But what I've started doing is offering signed copies. Mm -hmm. And so I'll like pre-order a couple of them and maybe add something really cute inside. No nothing too extravagant, but okay. just a little extra something like some stickers. Or in this last one, Audra, I created an invitation, a vow renewal invitation for the couple. And so anyone who orders the book will be able to get that for free. There's a limited number of them that I had made up and they'll be able to get that for free. And so that's the kind of thing that I do if someone wants a signed copy. Ultimately, my goal is to have a store. I'm sure you've seen all the authors now who have their own stores 
on their website. And so then as a reader, you can just go and buy from them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't anticipate doing digital copies on okay. my, in my store, but I do anticipate doing, you know, paperbacks so people can have a signed copy if they want one. And then just including little gifts in there, like little freebies and things like that to make it that much nicer so that, you know, it's, it's a little bit better than just buying it off Amazon, for example. Now, is there a reason you don't do events or you just prefer it this way? Yeah, I am just, <laughs> I, I guess I'm just not that comfortable doing them. Okay. And so, um, and so I made a decision that I, I wouldn't do them. And okay. Okay. I think eventually I've talked to, um, I've talked to another author friend of mine about it. And she said, do I think I would ever do it? And I think, I just said, you know, maybe one day. And I, hey, Adams too. Excuse so, me? Are you a Wednesday Adams? Oh. <laughs> I have a couple of authors that I speak to and they're like, that is my personality. It is so <laughs> me. So I was like, All right, that, me and my daughter love that series. And she uh-huh. did like, oh my God, I don't know if you watched the series yet on Netflix. I didn't, I, but I, I know who oh, she is God. and I know her personality. So <laughs> no, I'm not a Wednesday Adams. Okay, I'm- like <laughs> I think I mean, like that. They're like, look, as I just want to read, I just want to write. I want to do all that. I just want to write. So that's why I was asking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's a little bit of that, but for me, it's more, um, I don't want to say shy cause I'm not really shy, shy. I don't want to say shy, but I'm definitely like, I don't, I'm not the kind of person to put a lot of stuff on social media and that kind of thing. So I, I guess reserved maybe is a better okay. answer. Um, but yeah, so that's it, I guess. I have to I think about that. Then I just know you're invited to all types of things because your books are I, phenomenal. I do get invited and I always feel bad when I have to turn people down and I feel so terrible. And in fact, I've only recently started doing audio interviews. So okay. um, this, what I'm doing right now is very rare, but I've decided like a year or two ago that I was like, okay, I, I can do that. So once I started doing that and I got comfortable with it, uh-huh. I, you know, I was like, okay, I could do this. I, you know, it didn't kill me. So, <laughs> and, um, so I think I'll, I'll probably seek out more audio interviews, but that, that's sort of where I'll probably end it at least for now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Now, okay. Yeah, I don't want to say never, you know what I mean? Because things change and your personality change and you grow and all that. But for now, this is it for me. Now, you did mention that your ideas come and they flow. So we know that writer's block is not really like an issue that you seem to have. So what challenges do you have when writing a book? Because I never, I guess, let me piggyback. Are you self-published or you have a publishing company that you work with? So, yeah, so I am self-published. I've only published one time with, um, well, that's not true. When I first started, like I said, I did work with a, with an e-press and then I had one book that I did with Harlequin. It was actually a novella and it's, it's part of, I got the rights back to it, but it was part of a series, um, with three other, two other books, but it's called Heartbreak in Rio. And that one was originally with Harlequin, but now I have it out on my own, under my own imprint, which is Garden Avenue Press. 
Um, as far as, as far, <laughs> you said I don't have writer's block. Actually, I do have writer's block. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um, I think as a writer, you know, so there are there are writers who say that it doesn't exist and it's just like a mental thing. And to them, I said, good for you. But uh-huh. I personally do feel like writer's block does exist. And again, what keeps me from sitting there and just wasting time is just knowing that I have a point at which I'm tapped out. And so even like when I say, you know, I I might write for two hours or an hour or something like that. And um, maybe I only do that for three days, one week, because I'm, you know, I'm kind of still working out the details in my head. And the weirdest things will give you writer's block. I'll give you an example. One of the things that can give me writer's block is starting the story wrong. And it's it's a weird thing because you don't even know you started the story wrong until you work through whatever the issue is. But sometimes you might start the story in the hero's point of view, and you really should have started it in the heroine's point of view. And you get to a certain point, it's like, gosh, why isn't this working? Like, I can't think of anything else. And it's because you just started the story wrong. Mm. And so you have to like go back and start it from the correct point of view. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that can cause writer's block. Not having done enough research is another one. Because for example, with the romantic suspense series, Cordoba Agency, if, you know, because I'm writing about things that I don't know, like guns and fighting and, in one of the books, Heart Stealer, there was all this stuff about science, you know, and, and viruses. And I don't know anything about that, right? That's not my background. So I had to do the research on it. And by doing the research on it, that gives me more ideas. And so, you know, there was a point, for instance, in Heart Stealer, where I did get kind of stuck, because I was like, what are they going to do now? And um, I had to go back to my research and kind of just thumb through what I had looked into. And it just triggered an idea. And it was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do next. You know? mm-hmm. okay. um, so yeah, it happens. And I, I think the best way to, to fight it is to not try to push through, at least for me. So okay. I will do something else. I will read, I will do more research. I will stop and try to figure out why am I stuck? Like I said, it could just be a POV shift that I need to make. I'll just go do something else. I'm not going to sit there all day trying to force words when I've got a list of things on my task list to complete. You know, I could be um, uploading books to Radish or doing something else. So there's um, kind of stepping away and letting it marinate in the background will then, you know, help me get past the block. Okay. And then once you get like, so what are you, what are some of the key challenges or I guess the hardest part in all this process, especially with you being a self-publisher? So what would you say is the hard, obviously the writing part is going to be hit or miss depending on, like you said, with the writer's block, but what would be the biggest challenge you find being a self-published author? You know, I really feel, well, for me, the hardest part really is the, the writing because um, 
I guess because I'm not a plotter and I have tried plotting in the past and it just doesn't work for me. So I just accept it. You know, I've been doing this since 2010. So I know my own routine now, even though it shifted a little bit over the years, but I kind of know what works for me and what doesn't. My, my, the part that I like about writing the most is actually the editing, which a lot of authors do not like. And for me, once the story is down and I have my first draft, I kind of can look at it from a higher level and then I can say, oh, okay, this is where, this is what's going on. This is what I need to add. This needs to be taken out. This needs to be fleshed out. And so the editing part for me is my favorite part because I really know the characters by then. I, I, my juices started flowing. I, my creative juices start flowing. I'm really into the story by then. And, um, in the editing part, I mean, I can easily write another 10,000 words as I flesh the story out okay. of, of 10,000 words for my first draft. So that, to me, is the, the hardest part, is the writing. But if you want to talk about things that are annoying for me, um, <laughs> <laughs> the technology is the, the most frustrating part for me okay. because... You know, we depend on our computers and we depend on software to help us get our work done. And when it doesn't work, it is extremely frustrating. Okay. So, um, yeah, I there are days when I'm just sitting here just, you know, just upset because I'm like, I can't get anything done because nothing's working. My Or my computer, I need to take it into the shop or the software that I purchase doesn't work, or I have to learn a new piece of software, you know, okay. that kind of thing. So that's, to me, technology is really, really annoying. If I could just type and uh-huh. then be done, that would be great. But no, it doesn't work that way. You know, your computer, your, your website goes down, your software has glitches, and you can end up spending hours talking to support people just dealing with that kind of thing. Now, if you could make one of your books a movie, which mm-hmm. one do you think it would be? Ooh, that is a tough question. Okay, let me think about it. Uh, okay, well, you know, I love action flicks. <laughs> so I would probably say I would love to see someone put the Cordoba series, um, one of the books. It, it doesn't even matter which one to me. Um okay. I would love to see that on the screen. Um, you know, for instance, Heart Stealer, Heart Stealer, there's a scene in there where they like drive into the water. I would love to see somebody put that on the screen. Wow. <laughs> or um, like with Almost Perfect, you know, them racing across the rooftops in Paris was just amazing you know that was just fun to write and it's again over the top but wouldn't it be amazing to see that on a screen you know and um so yeah I think my romantics any of the romantic suspense would definitely be great and um let's see there's one book in the in the Latin men series that I really like it's more than a mistress and it's about this guy, he's a restaurateur and he, you know, basically pays this woman to be his living lover. And I, I would like 
to see that. I would like to see that play out on screen. It's almost like a pretty woman kind of story. Okay. And um, I think it would be fun to see the characters. I've already picked them out. If you go to my Pinterest page, you'll see all the people who I think would make, you know, great, the actors and actresses who I think would be great in the movies of my books. Oh, my goodness. I see, and I like see the Royal Brides as a series. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. Netflix had that series on. It was about... Um, some Africans. They were really well to do. Mm-hmm. I forget what the series was called. Oh, was um, it that reality series? Yes. Yeah, that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't was, remember the title either, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like Rich Famous and something, but me and my little one really like I was just like, oh, they have drama over there. What they be doing? <laughs> and I just, yeah, I, I mean, and you do, I, I always ask authors that because I'm always intrigued to know, um, which one, like you said, you've already thought about it. Right oh, yeah. Now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, I've already cast them. <laughs> <laughs> now, do it does, um, now because I don't know all of them, do any of your books have any West Indian themes? Or do you have a series that is going to be? Are you thinking about a series? Um, with I'm not, theme? No, I'm not thinking about... <laughs> love (laughs) i haven't thought about doing one that's west indian themed to be honest but i do have i'm trying to think um it was fight for love that had one in the latin men series that sort of mentions the i think it was the heroine's mother was from saint kitts which is where my parents are from and okay. so, so, you know, I mentioned that and a little bit of the food and then in, um, night and day, which is part of the quicksand series, the heroine's father is also from St. Kitts. And so okay. once again, that's mentioned, but I do, my next Cordoba agency series book is Ooh. going to be in the Virgin Islands, where I'm from. <laughs> because okay. Alyssa, I don't know if you remember, but Alyssa, one of the agents, she's from St. Thomas, which is where I'm from. Yes. And so um, I'm going to, she's she's the next book in the series. Okay. So I'm going to be writing a little bit more about, you know, my culture, the food. It'll be based on St. Thomas, where I'm from. So okay. it'll be a it'll be fun to to write something that's really more in depth into West Indian culture. Yes, one of my um, I work out and one of the and I go to a couple of gyms, but one of my favorite gyms I go to the owner is from Dominica, and mm-hmm. so the whole everything about kittenness is all West Indian theme. So we do soca. Mm. It's just everything is West Indian theme. And so, um, yeah, it's just I, the music, everything. All this, mm-hmm. all fitness done to, um, and it's all about West Indian. So I was like, ah, she, now that I've caught the accent and you're for, yeah, we need, a, <laughs> we need something on some, on the West Indies. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I would love to see that. Now, Hmm. Let me see. Do you have a favorite character? Because I asked about a favorite series, but do you have a favorite character? And I always, I always pause before I ask authors that. 
I know that's because it's like asking us which you know yeah. if you have kids, which is your favorite kid? Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see, favorite character. Um, I don't necessarily have a favorite specific character, but I have a favorite type of character. I'll say, okay. and my favorite type of character are the um, alpha a-holes, the ones that are like the CEOs and just just a sort Cyrus. of a jerk. Cyrus. Cyrus, yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the first person that came to mind was Cyrus. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so Cyrus, um, in my, let's see, in the Hawthorne series, I had a hero that people just, always talk about for some reason every time i mention it they want to talk about derek derek hoffman so he's also he's also kind of like a cyrus Uh, he was the first one that i wrote like that actually and then there was cyrus and then ethan is also like that in family ties okay um and then you read the royal brides so you know that um the hero in Princess of Zamibia was pretty much like that too. Yes, he was. Prince Kofi. He he yes. was, you know, kind of a jerk to her because he was angry. Yes. And um, but those are the ones who always fall the hardest. So okay. and they to me it's I know it's over the top, but I just love when these men just like, I'm gonna do anything to hold on to this woman. <laughs> Like that to me is yeah, the best. That last one, that last one, when he, the last Royal Ride book, when he gave her a t- taste of her own medicine, she's like, you don't even call, you don't even check up. Look, what, what we do? I was like, wow. I mean, but this is what you wanted, hon. You wanted this and he gave it to you and now you're in your feelings. Yeah, I'm trying not to tell the book shop. you really trying not to tell the book. But yeah, see, he didn't call, he didn't check on me. Girl, that's what you wanted. So, it was really cute how you did that. I really, really like that one. Yes. So I do have, um, so we talked about the research Mm -hmm. and so how do you, how did you research or how do you research? Is there like, because, so is it like you're doing outlines or like, you know what this I'm going to write, like we take the Cordoba for instance. And I know you spoke on that earlier about the research, but for each of your series, is it, is it a lot of time because you have very good detail. So is maybe what the first two or three months on just research. And I'm asking, cause I just, you know, like when you have the newer readers or different people that are coming on and listen to the podcast, I would like for seasoned authors like to explain that because there've been times I've read books and I can tell like that they haven't done a lot of research. And I know that that's very huge for authors because you never know who's listening to your books and like, no, that, that street isn't there. Like with me being in Atlanta, there's very little, if I hear you say, Oh, I went over here. Now that street is not a cross street for that. You know, I can tell mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. So, um, how much research do you do? It varies. Um, I'm trying to think if we use the Cordoba series as an example, I would say I do a lot more research with that series than I do with any other series, just because it's dealing with things that I'm not familiar with. Like I mentioned, you know, guns and um, viruses and the heart stealer. And um, like, for instance, in Almost Perfect, they were... They were dealing with, you know, um, money laundering. And I don't know anything about money laundering, you know. <laughs> so that kind of stuff, like I have to I have to research it 
So what that entails a lot of times, sometimes it's just, I will start doing my preliminary research. I can't even say, tell you like exactly how long I can't say, Oh, it's X amount of months or whatever, because it's sort of ongoing. For instance, while I'm writing heart stealer, I'm probably thinking about almost perfect. And then I have this software. I don't know if you've heard about Scrivener, but a lot of writers use it and it's a writing software that we use. And what's great about it is you can pull your information into Scrivener. So you can pull in links, you can pull in pictures, you can pull in all kinds of stuff. And so that's what I do over time. I just kind of pull the information into Scrivener as it comes to me. And then right before I get ready to start writing, I start going over it in detail because initially it's just kind of cursory, you know, I'm just like, okay, this is on money laundry. So I'm going to save this, you know, or this is on viruses. So I'll save that. But it's not like I'm really doing anything in depth because I'm not working on that project right then. But um, so I pull the information in and then when it comes time to start writing the story, then I really delve into it. And so that could be, um, you know, that could be that could be a couple of weeks because as I'm reading through stuff, then I, I start doing more research. I might start getting more on the Web. I'll read books, for example, too. Um, with the Cordoba series, you know, there are books that I've got on, um, spies, how to kill people, uh, how to fight. And those are more like reference materials. So I don't necessarily have to read the whole book. I just need to pull out the the chapter that I kind of need. And the good thing is with the reference, reference materials like that, it'll work for the whole book. I mean, for the whole series. So it's not yeah. like I have to go find another book on fighting, you know, okay. I just kind of need, I just, I have that book on fighting and I can refer to it for the whole series. But, um, but the more specific details that you're talking about, like, you know, even the, the locations, um, because I've been to Miami several times, but with Heart Stealer, I still went and got online and looked at the maps and made sure I got the streets correct and that kind of thing because I want it to be as accurate as possible. Yes. Now, having said that, as a writer, I do take creative li- license from time to time. I'll give you an example. In Almost Perfect, the heroine was a, cra- a safe cracker, right? Okay. But the but. Typically, when I did my research, I watched these videos on YouTube with safe crackers. I had a book on safe cracking, um, you know, just different things like that. It takes way more time than I had heard take in the book. Like, you know, she was cracking that safe in like 10 minutes or something like that. It takes longer than that, <laughs> you know. So that's, so that's taking creative license. But the process she went through is the same, listening to the clicks you know, turning slowly or possibly using a drill. She didn't use her drill, but that is an option that they use, safe crackers can use. So um, the process is the same, but I just kind of took a little creative license. And then, um, so there's the internet, obviously, um, you know, just for general information, for maps, um, reading blogs on a specific place. When, before I traveled to South America, I didn't, I had never been before, but I wanted to write the Latin men series. So I would read blogs of p- 
people who were living in that country to see the specifics, um, to add the little, you know, just the little details that will make you kind of feel like, oh, I, you know, I'm there or I understand this culture. And um, so that's another way to do it. And I'm trying to think what else. Uh, Movies. I watch the movie. Documentaries are another thing that I look at. Um, so yeah, there's like so much that you can really pull in when you're doing research and it just depends on how in depth you want to go. And it depends on, um, it depends on the topic, you know, like how much I know already versus how much I need to pull in. But I would say the Cordoba agency, I probably do most of my research for that just because a lot of the topics are foreign to me, but when you're just writing a regular contemporary story, um, I would say that the thing that I probably researched the most is going to be the characters' professions so um. that I can make sure that I add little details so that it's realistic. Because, you know, sometimes you read a book and it's like they're a nurse or something, but you never see them being a nurse. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you never get those details. And so I like to add a little bit of those details to the stories. And um, yeah, so researching researching the jobs, I think, is probably one of the bigger research projects on the contemporary stories. Um, and like I said, setting, you know, if I, if I haven't been to a location, I definitely have to do my due diligence to make sure that I know um, the culture and the streets or just something so that I don't make silly mistakes. Granted, no one's perfect, but, um, you know, I try to limit the mistakes as much as I can. And so what would be, um, your advice to someone that is wanting to get out there and be an author? I love to, to pick authors brains, you know, just to get, what would be one piece of advice you give someone that's trying to to get into the literary world? Well, I think if someone wants to be a writer, they have to make a decision. The the first thing they have to do is make a decision. They have to decide if they're going to do the traditional route, which would be to um, reach out to publishers or try to find an agent who would reach out to publishers for you. Or do you want to do what I'm doing, which is self-publishing? Once you've decided that, um, and, you know, there are different... um, there are pros and cons for each. So you kind of have to decide what's important to you. With traditional publishing, I would say um, some of the benefits is that, you know, you don't have to outlay the cash. You don't have the investment upfront is not necessary because someone else is going to be handling the editing for you. They're going to do the covers, that kind of thing. But because of that, you also lose some control versus what I'm doing, which is self-publishing. I have to put all the money up front. I have to pay for my covers, pay for my editing, pay for my audiobooks, you know, pay for my marketing, all of that. But I have control. And so if I want to make changes, I decide whatever the changes are going to be. So definitely, first and foremost, decide which route you want to go. And that doesn't even mean that you have to stick to it, but it's it just helps you um, figure out um, where you're going to put your time because it's way more time consuming to do self-publishing than it is to do traditional because we have so many hats that we have to wear. And I think, um, with traditional publishing, like for instance, if you already have a job, 
that might be a good route because then you can you can focus more on the writing. Um, you'd still have to do some marketing. So it's not like you don't have to do any marketing. You don't have to spend any money, but you have a partner through the publishing company. Okay. And then with self-publishing, um, you know, I, there are people who work full-time jobs and still self-publish. I don't know how they do it. My hat's off to them. Cause I feel like this is a full-time job in and of itself. Okay. And, um, I think that for new authors, the one thing, once you've decided which route you're going to go, you have to focus on the writing. Okay. That's, that's the most important thing. It's more important. It's more important than marketing. Because if you can write a heck of a good story, right? Um, if you can write a good story, you will get people word of mouth, spreading your spreading news about your books, word of mouth. And that is like gold. That is the best marketing that you can do. Mm. Also putting out more books. The more books you have, the more money you can make, the more shelf space you take up, the more people talk about you. So the writing, I cannot stress that enough, <laughs> is the yes. most important thing. Get your books completed and get them out into people's hands. Yeah, because that always has thrown me where I have, you have authors that have 50 and 60 and you have ones that are like, they put out something maybe once a year or twice a year. And I get when you've been in the game for so long and your your fan base is there, you may not have to, to be as hungry or grind as much. But then it's like, okay, but I know you're only going to put out two versus this author that's giving me three, four a year. So I like that you said that. No, get the books out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even if, even if it's just one a year, you know, if they, if readers know they can get that one a year from you, that's kind of what you want. You want that consistency so that, that people know what they can get from you. Um, Not everyone, some books, like for instance, historical fiction, there's so much research involved that they, you know, they really can only put out one a year, maybe two or something like that. But, um, but at the end of the day, if you're not putting anything out, there's nothing for people to read. And I think um, the mistake that some authors make is they put a book out and they think, oh, it's going to blow up. I just need to market the heck out of it. And <laughs> realistically, that's just not the way it works. Okay. It just <laughs> does not work like that. Yeah. You know, there's don't, I, I guess I would say, don't look at the people who, for instance, you might have seen someone put out a book and it just go viral for whatever reason, that is not the norm. That is the exception. <laughs> and yes, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so just, you know, just be prepared um, that you're going to have to put out books regularly. But if your passion is writing, if you find that you're passionate about writing, it won't be hard. Um it won't be, you know, it won't be a chore. It's still work, obviously, as I said before, but um, it's it's going to be so fulfilling and you'll enjoy it and you'll want to put out the books and you'll want to get them in people's hands. Okay. Well, before we get out of here, I have to ask. So if you had to choose an avatar for Miss Delaney Diamond, what would be your avatar? Um, 
An avatar? Okay. What do you mean by that? I'm not sure. Like, but... I have I have one author. Hers is a peacock. Um, I had another one. Hers was one of the Marvel characters. Like those are the pe- those are just an avatar, something that just would describe you. Oh, okay. Huh. Um <laughs> I always love to ask author this question. They'd be like, Oh my goodness, I didn't think about that. And yeah. Like the one that, that I talk about with it, she's like, no, that's my avatar, Wednesday Adams. And it's so cute. It's so funny. Every time I see it, I think about her. But yeah, what's your avatar? You Something. You got to have something. Um, <laughs> okay. So, well, I, I use an avatar right now, you know, uh-huh. for my, on, my online persona. So I think it would be, um, you know what? It would probably be something, God, I hope this doesn't sound corny as heck, but it would probably be something like a sunflower because okay. yellow, yellow is my favorite color. And I like to think that I'm a positive, upbeat person. And to me, that sunflowers just kind of scream that to me, positive, upbeat, um, the, yeah, the bright yellow, sunny, that kind of thing. So if I had to choose one, I guess it would be a sunflower. Oh, that is so cute. My, um my regular job my my boss loves sunflowers and our our company colors are yellow and red because she's like i love sunny bright fun she just yeah yellow is her thing and so yeah sunflower i would have to say is probably that's our in our logo honey so no it is not funny at all she loves sunflowers (laughs) that's funny because i love red too it's not my favorite color but um like for instance, if you go to my website and you see my logo, it's it's all uh-huh. in red because I just yes. I like bright and, okay. and bright colors. Yeah. Okay. So before we go, can you let all the fans know where they can find you? Where can they find you? Yes, absolutely. So um, you can find me at my website, DelaneyDiamond.com, and Delaney is spelled with an E. And I'm also back on Instagram after I got kicked off a couple years ago. So you can find me at Delaney Diamond Books. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest at Delaney Diamond. Alrighty. You all, I, uh, so before I end, y'all know I always have to give y'all a book. Um, so what is on my shelf now is Kimberla Lawson Roby's book, Sister Friends Forever. So if you all are looking to read, after you got to read that Delaney Diamond books first. Now, you know, I got you to do that first. <laughs> However, um, if you've already read all her books, then pick up Sister Friends Forever. It is a it is a phenomenal book about sisterhood, um, their friends, and and with us having so many different shows like Harlem and all these different shows, Insecure. You know, I, I love a good sister girlfriend book. So that's a real good one if you all are looking um for a good sister friend book. All righty. And so we're going to get out of here. Thank you, Miss Delaney, for coming Thank on. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed uh, it. So many nuggets, honey. So many nuggets. Um, I have to catch up on your series and then I got to give some feedback because they're just the bomb. So if you are looking for some good books, please reach out. And you all can find this podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Anchor, anywhere that podcasts are. You will be able to take a listen um, at Peach Ready with Ass. So everybody have a good, good night.